Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from LCP Delta. I'm John Sloan. And I'm Sandra Trittin. And together we are exploring how the energy transition is unfolding across Europe through conversations with guests from the leading edge of the transition. Hello and welcome to the episode. The energy transition will only succeed if we have the right skills and human capital to drive it forwards. And as we often highlight on this podcast, the energy transition involves a really wide array of skills, from hard skills such as engineering, all the way through to skills like behavioral science uh, to engage customers. And it increasingly blends experiences as sectors like mobility and energy start to converge. Yeah, and so we are going to explore today the challenges and what is being done about them with three people whose jobs are specifically focused in this area. Um, Sandra, with your experiences, I imagine you've felt some of these kind of challenges directly in the last years? Um, yes, for sure. And um, many of the companies I'm working with do feel this the same, right? And we will explore that also with our guests today. Um, I think the main challenge is that there are not enough people um, to help us to work on the energy transition. And the second part is that the, the people are not rightly educated for what they are getting asked for to do. Um, and this can be in quite different areas. It can be in software development. It can be on installation out in the field. There, there are many different areas um, where, where headcount is missing. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to exploring these with our guests. So let's say hello to them. Yes. So the first one, Leon Trippel, the initiator and co-lead of Ohne Hände, Keine Wende. Yes, I'm Leon Trippel. Um, I'm the, one of the initiator and the co-lead of uh, Ohne Hände, Keine Wende, which basically translate to, uh, translates to uh, no, no hands, no transition. Works better in German, uh, actually. Um, but our main effort is to actually get more people into the installation of solar and heat pumps. Um, and the big problem we are addressing is um, that a lot of like uh, parts of the installation process can be overtaken uh, by like specially qualified people and not broadly uh, qualified experts. And that's uh, for us like a, a good entry point for, for career changes, for example. And we try to get, give them an easy access to the energy industry. Um, thanks, Leon. Uh, we'll come back to your experiences shortly. Our second guest is Charmaine Coutinho, Head of Client Training at LCP Delta. Hello, Charmaine. Hi, John. Hi. Yes, as John said, Head up our External Client Training Services and Education at LCP Delta. So you're really putting skills and human capital development to work then, Charmaine? Yeah, I mean, the, the main thing I think for me is around seeing how the NG sector, as Sandra said, skills, there's a skill, not enough people to work in the NG transition, how we can help people with that. Um, so that might be within the NG sector in terms of new teams that are rapidly growing, but it might also be with people who are out of the energy sector who are looking to see how they can assist in the energy transition, whether that's finance, whether that's accountants, whether that's supporting industry, to give them a really good kind of understanding of the context of the energy systems change. So, yeah, I keep on banging on about energy systems and systems thinking till I'm kind of blue in the face, really. Yeah, well, needing to know how all the different dots join together. Exactly. Um, 
And our third guest is Phil Beach, who's CEO at Energy and Utility Skills in the UK. Hello, Phil. Hi there. Great to be here. Um, and as you say, Energy and Utility Skills um, is an organization that is specifically focused on working with industry to identify and address the skills challenges in power, gas, water and energy from waste companies. So very much uh, at the heart of conversations around identifying and creating solutions for the skills and workforce challenges uh, around net zero and wider green initiatives. And Phil, would you characterize that as hard skills, soft skills, uh, engineering, data science, behavioral science? Well, it, it would be all of those. What I would say, though, is that we are relatively narrow in focusing on technical competencies and safety critical roles. Uh, but in terms of the skills we're looking for, it, it's all of the ones that you mentioned, because ultimately what employers are looking for is competence. And competence is a, is a, uh, effectively uh, a combination of both hard and soft skills. And it's competence that we talk a lot about in industry. Thanks, Phil. So first broad question, to what degree are skills and expertise an issue? And is that specific to the energy transition or part of the wider skills shortage we see across much of Europe in lots of different types of jobs? Um, Leon, maybe you'd like to go first in with your focus on heat pump and solar installations. I'm sure it is an issue, but how big an issue, how pressing an issue in Germany is that at the moment? Leon? Germany, we've got an issue with um, labor shortage in general, but yeah, there are special fields where we, especially right now with new legislation, got quite a bigger issue, and that's, uh, for example, in the field of solar heat pump, uh, because like nowadays, it always comes together, especially if you're looking at a residential sector, and um, dependent on like the sources, we're looking at a shortage of like 300 to, to 500,000 people in the next 10 years. So. That's quite an issue. Like you compare, you can compare it also like on the health sector as a big issue. But um, if we are looking like at, at a technical uh, field, so this is actually the biggest uh, shortage we have right now in Germany. But then I think the the skills are let's say quite quite different, right? Because for solar installation, you need someone to put them on the roof, and an electrician, I assume, to to connect it. Um, whereas on a heat pump, you also need someone who's familiar with the watering system, etc. Yeah, according to different uh, studies and um, also like um, invest, let's say investigations or uh, um, yeah, like different partners of us like also investigated this. And, and for example, with the German Federal Agency for uh, Innovation, and um, if you're looking at solar and heat pump. Um, especially on the solar side, you can do like 90% of all like steps necessary for the installation by people who are actually not full electricians or like full electricians in accordance to our like German educational systems. Because there's for sure like a critical part of this installation process. But especially on the DC side, for example, like as you said, putting the uh, solar panels on the roof. Um, that's a part that can like be overtaken by a lot of different people who are just getting uh, trained, like a couple of weeks training, and then are in theory fit for this field. Uh, I think the um, 
other part is like to have a formal degree in this field, which is like <laughs> the, the other side. Um, and also on the heat pumps, um, in the heat pump sector, like, uh, I would say like, for example, as I said, in this, um, st uh, study in this field with the, um, innovation agency, um, they basically, uh, say that like 70% of the installation process, uh, can also be overtaken by, for example, career changes who are uh, not like, who don't have a formal degree in this field, but who are especially trained, uh, for the, this installation process for sure, like to, uh, to, um, yeah, to, to reach this percentage, you have to have a certain degree of standardization of like specialization of, of your single employees. But, um, so that's the basis, uh, the gap's huge, but I think we have a way to solve this problem, but not by only employing like fully, uh, formal qualified people. Is that Leon, are people doing that in companies doing that in Germany at the moment, or would you say companies are trying to still recruit people with all of the skills to do the whole job? Or are, people, are companies starting to break it down like you described and think, actually, we can upskill people with a few weeks of training to do the majority of the work and just bring in those high quality, harder skills yeah. for the last bit? I would say it depends on the size of the company. So for sure, a smaller like a craftsman uh, company uh, has not like the capacity to, to look into his uh, installation process that deep. Hmm. Because yeah, in, in average, we're talking about 10 people's, people in, in such uh, companies. But um, some of our partners, uh, partners of the initiative, like they're having nine, uh, 500 installers in one company. So um, that's a point where you're talking about a industrialized installation process. And that's for sure not only the play, uh, yeah, that, that's also taken place in like, in the mid-size uh, companies, they starting to realize, okay, the formal uh, apprenticeship system is not delivering. Uh, it's yeah, not, not not nice to say, but um, it's it's hard to get those people we needing for for climate action. Like, like, like yeah. we have to start now, and it needs three years to train people, and maybe needs even two more uh, two more years until until they're like really like experts on that field and as you said uh phil like if we're taking a look at people from similar industry who are maybe already like trained on the technical level not especially for that field but they have a competence set uh which like can be um like we can uh train them like especially for this technology if the base knowledge is there and I think that's the crucial factor that um, we can take people from similar industries, uh, like for example, automotive is one, one uh, like industry uh, which is uh, like let's say not growing in the next years, <laughs> and also like there is a, a big sector of labor which like it's it's quite critical. Like if you, we're talking about jobs where you're having dead ends, and we, we try to get those people out of those dead ends. Uh, into the easier parts of the installation process and have, giving them like a modular uh, way of upskilling them and qualification all the time. So getting quite creative then, Leon, with how companies are tackling the problem and not just going down the traditional training routes, but that's yeah, really interesting. Phil, does that chime with what 
you are seeing in the UK? Yeah, very much. I think I think to put it into context, um, skills and workforce challenges are strategic in nature before even starting to talk about net zero and green jobs. As an energy and utility skills organisation, we calculated that um, because of a number of factors like demographics, we know that 20% of the UK workforce retires this decade in our sector and that demographically we're in a bit of a trough in terms of new entrants into our sector uh, and a number of other factors combined to say that we before net zero targets were introduced we needed to fill 250,000 roles across energy and utility industries and now in the UK we see a real push towards net zero where we need to increase low carbon electricity generation by around 50% we're talking about installing charge points for around 10 million electric vehicles. More recently, the British Energy um, Security Strategy sees the creation of a new nuclear sector and a five-fold increase in solar generation. All of that together means that there is a strategic challenge around workforce and skills. And as I say at the start, that is not just an energy and utility challenge. 70% um, of those skills are needed by many other industries too, not least the construction industry uh, that are wrestling with national infrastructure programmes as well as the net zero challenges that we face. So, so all that uh, Leon has talked about absolutely chimes with what we're seeing uh, in the UK. Um, and I think uh, you know, it, the challenge is acute and requires, I think, collective engagement and action not just across power and networks, but across sectors, because the challenges are, are acute across a number of sectors and a number of industries. And and what is your experience based on this uh, Charmaine? Like, what, what what are the main requests that you get, like for training, like in which areas or on specific topics yeah. at the moment? It's really interesting because I think everything that the guys have said about um, the the challenge being kind of cross-sector it kind of interlinks across um and net zero and then beyond i think um this is going to answer your question sandra but maybe not in a direct way um the um so it's all part of a, a move to kind of change the way we do work so the net zero is not just about having new jobs which are green it's about greening the jobs that we already have so for many people the the kind of skills that might be entirely new job roles. So that might be a heat pump installer. So it's not new job role, but, you know, a massive expansion of existing job roles or new job roles. But actually for a larger portion, I think, I can't remember who it was, but there's been quite a lot of studies in the last year being published. It's about people's existing roles shifting to have a greater component which speaks to net zero or sustainability or the energy transition. So actually what we see a lot of desire or interest in is for how can I slightly upskill my team to do their jobs that they need to do now, but actually in a way that's future-proofing those jobs for 5, 10, 15 years' time? So that might be a finance team that needs to understand about how energy systems work because they're going to need to expand their work with um, that will incorporate energy systems or the company that they're working for is getting bigger. But actually, you know, when we kind of come back to the energy sector and the work we see there, it's actually about the key new things that are going to come and face challenges for that sector, which for us at the moment is around flexibility. Um, and some of these things have been very the, the preserve of specialist knowledge, so very isolated and very kind of almost in a little black box that not many people know about. But as everyone needs to understand about the energy transition, then all of these little black boxes need to be opened up a bit for people to have a, a general understanding. So, yeah, uh, upskilling, really. Sorry, John. Mm -hmm. 
So if you take that virtual power plant flexibility concept, I think that's a, is that the sort of thing you mean, Charmaine, that was a really niche specialist topic, yeah. a tiny part of the energy sector. And yet yeah. when we have millions of heat pumps, batteries, charge points in homes, that's going to be mainstream and all of yeah. much wider part of the energy sector is going to need to be an expert on virtual power plants. So my, my barometer for this is um, generally uh, my my in-laws, um, they are part of a, they are subscribed to an energy supplier who've just started introducing residential demand support side response activities so monetizing people to turn off their power usage at a certain time. Five years ago, they would have not been talking about that. Uh, and I usually take that as a barometer for what things that other people in the sector need to know about. So how close it is to impacting the end customer. Um, mm-hmm. But but I think my mind in laws as a result of that conversation. <laughs> but but I think it's a it's a good point also in let's say on one side everyone should understand some kind of concepts, right? And should have an idea around them. But for the application afterwards, we need to make it as easy and as smooth as possible, right? So that you could even work around that without having the knowledge, but for sure it's always yeah. better, right, to fully understand what's going up in in the background. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I think um, one of the things that people have talked about a little bit is how do we transition people from like traditional industries into um, into uh, the energy transitions, looking at just energy. But actually, there's loads of transferable skills which just need a little bit of tweaking to make that mm-hmm. workforce which are facing what is quite an existential crisis of their own kind of working life and actually helping them to apply their skills to 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 the future. Really, Le- Leon and Phil. The numbers that you were talking about, as you were talking earlier, have left me a little depressed in that those are such huge numbers, such a big challenge. So, um, yeah, can you both (laughs) try and cheer me up a bit or talk about how you think we can um, meet those, talk a bit more about how we can meet those challenges? Um, Because, yeah, without that, we won't get to our energy transition, our, our net zero goals. Who wants to have a go at cheering me up first? I can't guarantee to cheer you up, John, but uh, I, I, um, yeah, I, I think this is glass half full, glass half empty territory because, of course, you know what I would say is there are 250,000 and growing fantastic roles to be part of the solution to uh, the climate emergency. Um, so I think that you know that's wholly positive. You know, back to Charmaine's point about what people are talking about and about barometers. If you speak to young people today about what interests them, they want jobs with a purpose. Uh, and you couldn't get a better purpose than solving the current climate emergency that they all care so passionately about. So I'm actually quite excited about filling those roles. The challenge for us, I think, is to provide the courses and the opportunities and the pathways to get people into uh, those roles. Um, and that is a mixture, I think we've heard already, of the need to upskill and reskill the existing workforce. Uh, and that's important for two reasons. Firstly, as Leon said, we need to get on with this. So we need to transition people from higher carbon sectors to low carbon sectors and get them working. But equally importantly, we do that because you're training the trainers, because as you generate apprenticeships in these new technologies, you need someone already there to teach the newcomers how, how to do this. So it's a really exciting thing. But, but what I would say, John, is that whilst that is a massive opportunity, I think certainly from a UK perspective, UK government and industry, the fact of the matter is this is a strategic challenge and it needs addressing at a strategic level. You know, those numbers are scary at face value and it needs a 
whole of system approach to fixing it. We won't get to do this by muddling through using existing processes. And to what degree do we have that strategic approach in the UK, Phil? Are we almost there, getting there, a long way to go? I, th- I think if you'd have asked me ahead of COP26, I might have been a little pessimistic. Um, but one of the encouraging things that happened uh, post Glasgow was that in the UK, the government has established the Green Jobs Delivery Group, which for UK government is, is I think, a really good initiative because it does bring together, if not for the first time, then certainly uh, for you could count on probably the fingers of one hand how often it's happened, where four government departments at ministerial level are engaged with industry directly to identify and address the skills challenges facing the UK to deliver its key initiatives. As energy and utilities, because we sit on that group and the group has basically broken down by sectors um, where we need to be addressing uh, forensic and laser focus on the skills challenges. And we're working really hard across government departments and industry to develop solutions to address some of those challenges. So I think encouragingly over the last year we've seen real focus across government and a real appetite to engage with industry to try and solve some of these workforce and skills challenges and um, based on that leon what could you uh, tell us to cheer us a bit a little bit up or giving us a bit more perspective it's interesting because partially it's the same like in germany Uh, we also get a lot of ambitions like on the federal level um, to to boost this um, upskilling, reskilling, uh, general work skilling challenge, um, but I would say like they're like different uh, parts involved because uh, for sure we can talk a lot about like the skills challenge on the federal level, but as I said, like we need this ambition also in the industry because in the in the end, like if we really want to solve this upskilling challenge um, then it only works like with the industry actors because if you're just using the old pathways which are for sure valuable like and uh, it's it's it, our, our German apprenticeships uh, apprenticeships system is uh, yeah well known like in the world and it's it's good it's good it's, it has a high quality but uh, as you said uh, John they're like uh, sorry, Phil. Uh, there is we we need new pathways, and what we are doing, for example, is like we are like let's say we're copying, but we are mirroring basically the, the classical apprenticeship in our modular system. So in the end, we try to get people to the same degree, but not not through like a three and a half years program, but through like six uh, modules of four to six months. So, and that's how you like giving people an easier entrance into to a new job or like a similar, uh, similar, like let's say field of training. And I think that that's the main factor that we're really looking down, down to skills and not, we, we have to look at skills and not degrees. And that's really crucial uh, in, in, in every field, I would say. And how, how far down that road are you, Leon? I guess a similar question to ask Phil, is that, are you at the beginning of that journey, halfway through? Is that journey well underway? It depends on what you're looking. So, uh, on a conceptual level, I think we 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 like basically emerged at the beginning of this year. So nowadays we have 20 industry partners. Uh, we get a lot of support, like all also from the federal level, and um, 
we created a concept which is already validated in its components in different other fields. So the instruments we are using uh, like are not new and already outset by the legislation. And um, the crucial factor is now how we get that into uh, basically the industry and how do we scale that? Because um, for sure, if you're looking for, for example, at, at manufacturers, they used to like product trainings and, and uh, things like that, but they not used on like to real education. And like we are really moving from training to education uh, with, with uh, this kind of module qualification um, approach we are um, using. And I think that's, that's also like where we also need to, to <laughs> train people because like, as, as you said, Phil, we, we, we need trainers on the other side who are able to train those, those new people, those career changers. And you, you get like from <laughs> one, like you, you, can, you, you can chase this, this, uh, this argumentation down to, uh, okay, we, we have to do everything like new. But at certain point, you just have to say, okay, we have to start with this and, take, and, and start with what's there and have to fix the, the other part long scaling because um, for like the, the, the amount of people we need to qualify, there, there is no, no infrastructure uh, ready to do this. So yeah. it, it's a moonshot mission. And uh, yeah, basically what uh, keeps me positive is that um, you're running in the open doors. So basically you don't have to knock anymore. Like that, yeah. that's, that's a good thing because everybody knows it's a big challenge. And if we don't, um, act on this together, we, we're going to have a big problem in 10 years because then um, basically we're not able to, to uh, yeah, reach any climate goals and we have to start now. It reminds me of talking to a friend that works in one of the big management consultancies and they get new intakes, new graduates every year and the bit of the business that everyone wants to work in is energy. Now that's you know that's the exciting part. So that's the open door you talked about, Leon and Phil. I guess that's what what you mentioned as well. Yeah, I, th I think that, uh, that's right. I mean, I, much of what Leon says absolutely chimes with my experience. I mean, we work with big industry, uh, and they all talk about micro credentialing or modular approaches to training, um, because having a bite sized approach to training, particularly reskilling, means that there's less time away from work and the productivity doesn't take a, a massive hit. So I think that that's important. I would just make one slightly aligned point, though, in, term, in terms of this conversation around skills. Uh, and I think there's a good example around the UK experience around heat pumps, uh, where you'll know that um, the government target for heat pump installation is 600,000 a year by 2028. Uh, it's not that long away. Um, interestingly, we look back at 2022, where less than 70,000 were fitted across the country. Uh, and that's a mix of new build and retrofit. So we're about 10%. Of the target, and and you could say that that's because there aren't enough skilled people to fit it. But I think you could equally argue, and probably more strongly argue, but the demand isn't there. So I think what you find talking to industry is that industry won't invest in upskilling and reskilling people for these new technologies unless there's an absolute demand for them. So which which I think is the point that skill sits in a broader landscape um, where you need both policy certainty to secure investment but also sufficient incentivization and changes in behaviors such that these things gain traction and, and therefore generate the incentivization of industry to invest in the training. 
So I think schools, as ever, needs to be sat within a wider conversation. I think that that getting the demand and the supply going in parallel. That's a really good point. Charmaine, when it comes to... Actually, actually big point uh, in Germany as well. Uh, so that's what we experienced in the last months as well. Because at the beginning of the year, like skills were the, like, the biggest, like the biggest thing. So, but then you maybe recognized uh, we, we had quite some discussions about these, let's say, uh, heat pump law. <laughs> um, it's, it's not named by that, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's about heat pumps. And um, yes, so all this discussion uh, ended up in like decrease of demand. And we got a lot of new actors on the market, uh, which are basically, um, yeah, start scale ups want to scale fast. And what happens if demand is uh, decreasing in, in, in the scaling phase? Um, it also uh, brings along a lot of problems with them. And for sure, they want to upskill. They want to skill people in general, like uh, reskill every form of uh, skilling people. Uh, but if the demand isn't there, and if you if there's an, an insecurity at the market, like all these ambitions are, are nice, but uh, if you don't have the people, at, at, uh, if you don't have the money to pay the people, because you don't have uh, the installations uh, to do on the other side, uh, it's it's all like a, a nice picture, but uh, you can't realize it. The two, the two need to go hand in hand. Yeah, Charmaine, when how do you see that with topics like flexibility or that niche topic of virtual power plant that's going to become a much bigger topic in terms of interest from the sector and that balance of the opportunities in the market for things like virtual power plants and people wanting to be upskilled in it? Yeah, I think the um, I think the advantage that we have in the, the training that we offer, which is very much focused on kind of like, um, kind of education rather than training. So what it does is gives, gives people a little bit more of an understanding in a relatively short space of time. So maybe over a couple of days or a day. Um, so the commitment to doing that is almost not too much further ahead of just saying, oh, I'm a bit interested in this topic and I think it could be relevant for where our organization wants to go in the next few months, years, decades. And um, so it's quite kind of, I suppose, low risk, which which is, that sounds a bit strange. Um, and actually it's so, um, so related to um, the kind of convergence that you talked about right at the beginning of energy with other places that actually it ends up being something that people have kind of a deep curiosity about rather than it being kind of, I need to do this for my job role. No, on the flip side, I think personally, I think people do need to do that. But um, so, but it kind of makes me think of this, we talked a little bit about bite-sized education and interest. There's so much information that you can get just on the internet. You know, you can go and solve all these things by Googling them for a period of time. But I think what is... Um, interesting and I think it comes up in politics as well is actually getting an expert input which is kind of fact-based not opinion-based and I think that's the kind of differentiation when it comes to um, how and what you you choose to train your, your team on is making sure that it's correct and it's appropriate and it's you know it's independent it's balanced rather than it being something which um, and that quality of it, it rather than it being something that's a bit partisan and you know from random sources on Google. Well. I am feeling, feeling more cheered up, thanks to the three of you. So uh, it still feels like a huge challenge, but 
I think almost reframing is partly it's about reframing how we think about skills development. And it's not uh, having done a three-year course. It's not, um, you know, it's t- taking it into those bite-sized chunks, to focusing on education and finding pathways to make this more accessible for more people. And it's a sector people want to work in and make a difference. Back to what you said at the beginning, Phil. Uh, people want jobs for the purpose, and what better purpose? So let's bring up the talking new energy crystal ball now, and I'm going to get set the dial this week to 2030. Um, and my question to each of you relates to today and 2030. I want you each to rate out of five the degree to which skills and expertise is holding back the transition today and the degree to which it will be holding back the transition in 2030. So let's say five out of five means there's no skills challenge at all. We have all the skills uh, we need. And one out of five means there's a huge skills challenge. So where are we today out of five? And what's your prediction for where we'll be out of 2030 out of five? Uh, And let's go Phil, Charmaine, Leon. I suspect one could talk for a long time on this one, John. I, I have to say, given the climate, my crystal ball is slightly hazier than it was probably yesterday. Uh, I think I think I would score as a one out of five uh, in both areas, uh, and I think that's because the work that I've been doing over the last year with government and industry, the consistent theme that comes out of the conversations, and it's come up in this discussion today, is that you have to have long-term policy certainty have to, because without long-term policy certainty, you won't get investors, and without investors, you won't get the skills investment that you need to support those ambitions. So I think the question fundamentally is how confident are we that there is a clear direction of travel and a pathway to net zero that successive governments in whichever country we are, are signed up to? Because without that, it's extraordinarily difficult. I think the the second part of that question is the degree to which, as a country, we are going to be agile, innovative, and bold enough to address some of the skills challenges. I'll draw a little example to build on that. Uh, In the UK, there are about 420,000 electricians, of which about 80,000 retire this decade because of the demographics I talked about earlier. There aren't enough electricians and there aren't enough places on programs to create enough electricians to do what we need to do today, let alone roll out 10 million electric vehicle charge points that you need to be a qualified electrician to do. So the UK has a choice of either delaying its ambitions on net zero or finding a solution around limited scope uh, qualifications to do some of the subsets that we need around things like electric vehicle charge point installation or some of the low carbon tech installation that we heard about earlier on in the programme. Because as I said earlier on, if we continue just to think that we can use the current modalities, mechanisms and structures that we have at the moment, the volume and challenge is too great to make that work. We need to be more agile, flexible and innovative in our thinking about how we match supply and demand and generate the competencies in an agile way. Okay. Thanks, Phil. Sounds like you've got a busy seven years between now and 2030. (laughs) Um, Charmaine. Uh, I would agree with the one at the moment. Um, I think it would have been one before yesterday, but maybe maybe I just my crystal ball is a bit more uh, pre um, effective than yours, John. Um, 
Uh, and then in 2030, I, I don't know, I find it really difficult. Um, so all the stuff that Phil said in terms of that kind of capacity in the supply demand curve, when you just look at skills, is just, uh, frankly, quite overwhelming. I mean, I would like to say that actually coming out, all the generations that are coming out of university and school actually provide a lot of, um, even just the kind of way people approach the world of work kind of gives me a bit of hope that I might edge towards me being more of a three or a four. Um, and that people look at naturally look at creative solutions because actually that's the generational change. Um, but that doesn't stop everyone else who's already working in the sector to try and shimmy that along a bit. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Ask me in five years. Thanks, Jermaine. Uh, Leon. For sure, I would also agree with the like one today. Um, so yeah, the challenge is huge. I think uh, nothing to add on this side um i would uh, pick a, another like perspective on um what is crucial maybe and i would frame it as a cultural uh a cultural like change over time we need to take and i think it's crucial that uh if we want to have a better number in 2030 uh we have to look at like solar and heat pump uh the way we're looking at cars like oh we have been looking at cars in germany in the last 30 years if we're reaching a point where we have a high identification with those, uh, yeah, products, I think we, we, the problem, uh, won't be that big, but I think in 2030, we haven't reached that point, uh, to, to, to a degree of that we say, okay, we can name it as a five. It's everything done. I would rather like call it still like, uh, or would, I would rather pick three or four dependent on how fast the change will, will, will go on the next use. And that's, that's something uh, I can, it's, it's hard to pick because uh, I think on our side, we can do a lot on the installation side and, um, and maybe can, we can fix this in the next six years. Um, but I think we will still, still have a, a four to unlikely hope, but hopefully not a three. Thanks, Leon. Well, thanks. Uh... Thanks to all three of you. I'm so glad we picked this topic to talk about today because it's, um, I want to say it's its overlooked because the three of you are working in this topic day to day and there's a huge amount of work going on. But it's easy, I think, to overlook this topic. And from what the three of you have talked about, unless we get this right, and I'm really encouraged by what you've described, but there's still a huge amount to do, as you've all described. Unless we get that right, then we can get everything else in place, but we won't meet our goals unless we have the skills and the workforce there. So thanks, Charmaine. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Leon. And thanks always to uh, everyone listening. We hope that gave you some interesting perspectives and hopefully something to take back to your jobs, your roles, and your work day-to-day in the energy transition and think about what you can do to help us uh, get the skills and capabilities in place to hit our net zero challenges. Thanks very much for listening and look forward to welcoming you back next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. We are excited to bring you captivating conversations from the leading edge of Europe's energy transitions. If you've got suggestions for topics or guests for future episodes, please let us know. And if you're enjoying the podcast, then please do rate it and share it with colleagues. For show notes, transcripts and more, please visit lcpdelta.com. Mm-hmm.